This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Signals from the Frontline, every Wednesday live cast here on Twitch. For those of you listening via iTunes, YouTube, however you enjoy the media, if you do want to join us for the live show, it's 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Go on over to Twitch, Frontline Gaming underscore TV. I am your host, Reese, a.k.a. Reeseus on the interwebs. Not Reeseus, as some people like to say. Mm-hmm. And with me, the loyal, the trusty banana. Thank you. In this, his final episode, no, his final time on Signals from the from the Frontline. Yeah. And uh, in this episode, the banana splits. It's true. That was good. Thank you. That was good. Thank you. That joke came out a while ago. Anyways, yes, yeah. I know. For us, it's not as funny as the first time we said it. That was but, pretty good. But yeah, so this is uh, this will be uh, Jason's last episode on Signals, and we'll we'll, yeah. we'll go into it a little bit later in that bit of the show. But um, you know, times change. Times are changing. As old uh, as old Bob Dylan said. Yeah. Times they are changing. Well, it's not all bad. <laughs> no, no. You know, it's, it, yeah. yeah, this is a part of life. But uh, before we dive into that, thank you for joining us for the show brought to you by FrontlineGaming.org, where you can get your tabletop gaming goodies all the days of the week. Discounted prices, free shipping options within the continental United States, uh, all kinds of good stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Check it out. And if you are listening to us on uh, YouTube or iTunes, please make sure to like, subscribe, give us a good review. Please. If you have something negative to say, we don't want to hear it. Yeah. Because... Uh, I want my participation trophy, only positive reinforcement all the time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's our our age, I feel. I, I, I'm i a Gen Xer, so I, I, I like to make fun of all you millennials. I just, I mean, I remember getting most improved. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, when everybody had to get a trophy, they're like, yeah. okay, well, who's left out? Unfortunately, I went to a Catholic boys' school. Uh, our grade school, Catholic grade school, where we had like eight boys in the class. So every team had eight people on it. So they always had like seven trophies. <laughs> so they're like, wow, we need one more. Most improved. Most improved. That's so insulting, <laughs> by the way. I mean, it's uh, whatever. Anyways, we're getting off in the weeds here. But uh, we can do a whole podcast about uh, snowflakes. Oh, brother. And millennials. Boomers. That's a new thing yeah, now. Yeah, stop. What is it? Hey, uh, okay, boomer. Okay, boomer. People started yeah. saying that to me. I'm like, I'm not a baby boomer. You're like, ah, oh, that's so, like, I'm way too young like, to be I'm a, a baby Gen boomer. X, if anything. Yeah. Jenna, the cool now you're 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 actually a millennial. The I'm the very cutoff mm-hmm. of Gen X. So yeah. my generation was uh, characterized as just not giving a crap about anything. Yeah. So we Yeah. Um that's a new meme. Anyway. Um I think we have some cool stuff to talk about though. We we talk about games here mostly, not just uh yeah. the generational conflict that is so popular on uh, nice. on the interwebs. Oh. So this uh this week's pre-order mm-hmm. is the very, very cool Ozark Bone Reaper faction for Age of Sigmar. There was also the uh mob the Ogor gut mob eat tribe guys. <laughs> mob tribe. Whatever. Uh, they didn't come out with really any new models. Yeah. There was just the one. Let's not in, forget about them. <laughs> um, no, they're really cool. Yeah. They're really cool, but uh, they didn't really have any new models besides the new uh, Tyrant that came out in the Feast of Bones yeah. box set, which sold out instantaneously. 
But the Ozark Bone Reapers, brand new faction, all new models, really, really cool. I very, very much like, I dig the aesthetic a lot. I think they look very cool. It's not an army I would feel like I would want to collect, per se, but um, that's not a dig on it. I think they're beautiful. It just doesn't really speak to me. Mm-hmm. I don't really like really much of the death faction stuff. I think the models are brilliant, but I just, I don't know. I have a Flesh Eater Court, like, baby army. The zombie guys are, are pretty neat, but uh, this is a brand new army, very cool aesthetic. If you want to pick them up, you can do so. Discounted prices. Head on over to store.frontlinegaming.org and you can pick up the new Ozark Bone Reaper goodies. Mm-hmm. I would much rather, of the two of these, which one would you want to collect between the, the ogres and the bone reapers? Um, Ogres. Yeah, me too. But I've always liked the ogres. Same here. And they, you know, they're, at the end of Fantasy, they were actually one of the newer yep. releases. So their stuff's not that old in terms of the plastics. Oh, no, the, the models hold stuff up. like that. Um, they, they have like some old resin kits, though, that are still out there. Yeah. It's all their, um, the mercenary dudes and the um, the yetis and stuff. So. And the saber tusks. Yeah, which, those are pretty bad. They're the saber awesome. tusks are like. I like them. Saber tusks are in the same vein as the old vampire bats. No. <laughs> Where they had the Dracula face on the bat. <laughs> or the party ghosts. Oh, man. Those are so those bad. Those are so bad. Yeah. Uh, I know, the saber Good tusks, times. I think they look pretty cool. Thunder tusks, whatever they're called. It's just um, they're old. It's an old sculpt. But um, I've, I've actually painted quite a few ogres for, yeah. for D&D and Pathfinder. Right. And they're really, really fun models to paint. So um, I've always wanted to collect an ogre mm-hmm. army, but I say that about almost every Age of Sigmar army. So it's true. Yeah. The only one. Yeah. I mean, like I am looking at Age of Sigmar a little bit more. I mean, I'm not ready to make the dive yet, but, um, ogres are very, uh, compelling because you don't need much. Yeah. You really don't need much. And if you throw in the frost, uh, dudes, whatever they're called, um, yeah, the, the you need even less models because, like, yeah, because they stuff. just use the big dudes on the beast and you yeah. need like two of them and you got like a thousand points or something like that. So you could, I think you could, cause you can take them as battle line. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the really cool things about both these books is they're really flexible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the way it's been with all the new age of Sigmar books. And I really, really like it is that if you want, you can build a cavalry army. If you want, you can build all yeah. monster army. Like with the free cities, you can build an army of all, Steam tanks, yeah. you know, the stank on your list. Yeah. And I think that's super cool because in Age of Sigmar, you know, everything dies. Uh, there's very few things that are ultra resilient in the game. So it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter really. You don't like, get attached to things. You're yeah. like, yeah, okay, you took out 30 dudes with your one swing of your sword. All right, cool. Like yeah. now I'm going to like, you know, do like a hundred mortal wounds to that model. So it's the game's super fun, but yeah, things, it, it, the game is like. The one thing I, I should say is that I've never seen enough train still on the boards like you kind of see a few hills here and there there's not as I'm much like, shooting in the game so it's not as important but yeah, yeah you're right and like just for the amount of because the amount of uh damage output that yeah. goes on in that game like you to that point uh if you think 40k is lethal age of sigmar is far more lethal i couldn't believe it i remember one time frankie what did he have he or are you you should, like dirt dirt through something swung I into a, a unit, 30 man unit and it, you're like oh no that's that's you know six wounds for each wound six guys die for each yeah. wound. i was like what yeah. I killed like 26 uh, fire slayers in yeah. one attack. So, 24. And like Frankie was like, yeah. what the F? But it makes sense happened? because he has this gigantic magical sword. Yeah. You know? So anyways, I, I actually, the more, I, a few things in Age of Sigmar, I still wish they would tweak for competitive play. Won't get into that because that's a whole thing. But um, I, I, I have been playing the game quite a bit lately mm-hmm. and I've been super enjoying it. It's a really fun game. Um, you just have to get used to the double turn thing. That's what scares most people away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once you get used to it and you're, you're kind of like accepted as yeah. being a part of the game. Oh, we should talk about the previews that came out 
because we're talking about Age of Sigmar. Somebody mentioned it in the Oh, chat. yeah, yeah. I, I Amazing. Didn't, I, for, I forgot reviews. to put the pictures in the... It was a huge weekend. Yeah. I completely yeah. forgot to put the pictures in the show notes. Uh, we'll add those in and po- fix it in post. Fix it in post, Mariana. But uh, at Sp- I think it was Spiel going on this weekend. And if I'm if it was Spiel, if I'm... No, no, no. It wasn't Spiel. It was uh, a big UK tournament. Oh, Blood and Glory. Yeah, Blood and Glory. Yeah. So uh, at Blood and Glory, they revealed some amazing, amazing new stuff. They showed off the new sisters uh, tanks, which you're not seeing them right now live, but you'll see them it's in, on, like, on YouTube. Site. You'll see it yeah. on YouTube, yeah. But you can go to Warmer Community Site or you can go to Frontline Gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, they showed off some of the new Sisters of Battle tanks, which are a little funky looking. Um, yeah, they don't make a lot of sense. I don't. I'm not honestly. I'm not. I don't like them that much. To be to be blunt. Yeah. The the models are technically amazing the aesthetic though hopefully like the stained glass dude that thing is that thing is actually see-through well no but i hopefully that's you don't need to put that on because it doesn't make a lot of sense like are you shooting through the glass i don't don't understand it um they went they leaned real heavy into like the into the gothic church theme it looks goofy it It looks goofy i like the the current ones i think are are much cooler looking Mm -hmm. for the emulators and and the and then the, the 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 Exorcist is always looks it looks good, inexcusably stupid. They just well, I think it looks. It's good. a they beefed it's up a the piano current. that yeah, shoots dumb. missiles. But on this, out of on it. this, but on the new sculpt, they actually put in like missile pods in the organ. So it, it's not they're not coming out of the top of the organ. Yes, that they was, are. No, no, but they changed the aesthetic now. No, they're literally in the organ pipes. Okay, and there's someone playing an organ yeah. that shoots missiles. That's cool. That, <laughs> That's as good as the old Gene Sealer Colt limos. But. <laughs> It's the dumbest model in the game. Mm. Now, like I said, it's an aesthetically pleasing. I mean, it's it's a technically really cool kit, but the whole like, shoot, play, like someone's going into battle playing an sure. organ that shoots missiles out of it. Mm-hmm. Why not? Sure, that's the most forty k thing of all time. Uh, those aside, those those aside. They did show off what was just so cool. The new slaves, uh, slaves to darkness models for mm-hmm. AOS are absolutely just metal to the bone. Love it. They they're, kept they kept the so aesthetic good. of the chaos warriors and the chaos knights, but they beefed them up and they, they made scaled them, dy- them up more dynamic. They're dynamic. It's like they're amazing. I got. I mean, I think I have to play that army. Yeah, I got to paint up those units. So like good. They're so for good. years I've been saying, God, you know, Chaos Warriors are amazing. It's it's I it is the iconic model. From literally fantasy. on their first book, I think they have the Chaos Warrior Faith helmet. Well, I mean, it goes um, it goes all the way back to the beginning. Like yeah. uh, one of my first games workshop games I ever played was Hero Quest, uh, the original one. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the big the big villains yeah. are there's Chaos Warriors and the Chaos Sorcerer. And uh, that goes back into the 80s, yeah. right? Like that, is, they nailed it right mm-hmm. out the gates. And of course, they they refined it, and it looks better now. But the the general, you know, overall look of the Chaos Warrior has just been amazing mm-hmm. forever, yeah. right? Like, and the new ones are just so cool looking. And then they also showed some new uh, big monsters that are going to be. Uh, uh, yeah, released like, for Warcry, but they're also usable in a Slaves of yeah, Darkness. Yeah, and those models are like... Badass. It's an aesthetic we've never seen before in the game, yeah. but it's like amazing. Yeah. That I dude, the, um, the the Ogroid. The Ogroid. So right now there's guy, an Ogroid yeah. who's like a... Um, what are they? Like Kind of like a Minotaur Yeah, ogre, kind of a beast man uh, kind a of Minotaur or Ogre. But right now they have a magic-based one yep. that you can use, and he's really good, and he's, he's durable, and he does a lot of spells. But this one is the close combat one. He has yeah. a shield and the spear. 
It's so good. And then the the, the creepy cat, the psychic the cat monster. Cat, yeah. I was like, God, they're just they're just it's hitting home it's, runs yeah. left and right. Um, even the the silly Sisters of Battle tanks, yeah. which I think look inexcusably silly. Yeah. They're really, really amazing. And models. just the Warcry models in general. Every so single Warcry. Like I don't know much about the game and I've I've heard it's pretty good. But gosh, man, it's like one after the other. This weekend yeah. the more releases are coming out. The new Necromunda stuff. It's like I don't know. I've been painting up the uh, Warcry models just to, for uh, Pathfinder. The new Pathfinder came out. It's really fun, 2.0. And uh, we've been playing, so I've just been painting up the models because yeah. they're so awesome to use in uh, Pathfinder games. Yeah. Uh, really, really good. Yep, Brian Spilero says, it's an organ grinder. Uh, thank you for the continued subscription. Wolf Priest Carl in the oh. chat. Thanks, buddy. Wolf Priest Carl is in Jiu-Jitsu also. Yep. We, he came up in Tile. We didn't know he's a blue belt. Yeah, he's very Which good. is extremely... Impressive. Impressive. Just yeah. that one belt up from white. So very cool. Anyways. Uh, and in the chat, everybody's talking about how much they love the new models. The They're so good. so good. And then they also teased a new Primaris character coming out. They haven't said who it is, but it said it's the Lord of Death. So we probably know who it is. But here's a really interesting thing. If you guys can find it, if you go into the Facebook page, Warhammer, the Warhammer Facebook page for 40K, in the comment section, somebody who's a graphic designer basically took the still images from all their little snippets of the model found a piece of art of Mephiston from like third edition and started like inserting the pieces that they showed and it's a perfect match. <laughs> so we know, we kind of know what it is, but God, that's awesome. Yeah. We've been asking for years. I mean, people are like, that's such a stupid model. If it is Mephiston, which I think they haven't said it officially, but most people in the comments sections and so are like, yes, of course the Lord of death, the, uh, the red armor, that model is ancient. It still looks good. That model still holds up. It's the old days of the yeah, the two arms kind of at like a what is that degree? Like a forty-five degree angle. Yeah, well, that was back when they just had the two-part molds. Yeah, and they all had to be that way. Yeah, that's why they're, that's why the models were so static. <laughs> but he's supposed to be this like mega, super powerful warrior. And it's always had that little wimpy model. You're like, eh. Yeah, and the scale has increased tremendously, so he looks. Yeah, tiny. and then, now they haven't said if it is a primary model. They haven't said it. They just said it's a new sculpt of an old. Right. Model. So I think you would ascertain that any new space marine is not is going to be a primary. That'd though. be funny. It's like, yeah, now we're going back to mini marines. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, here's the model that we do have pictures of in Whoa. the show notes. Um, the preview for the coming week's release next weekend is yeah. a big Necromunda release that features the um, kind of the Adeptus Arbites. They're called Subjugators. Yeah. And they're a new, you know, gang, so to speak. They're not a gang, actually. They're, they're like fighting the, the gangs. Like the police officers. Yeah, but they, well, not quite. They, they are, yeah. They go down there into the underhive to yeah. go, like, you know, hunt down these. But the evil. Arbites are still around, apparently. Yep. And they, those are, like, the actual, yeah. like, Imperial Police Force. Yes. Mariana is asking if they're like Judge Dredd. They are. And if you saw the Adeptus Arbites models, they are literally Judge Dredd. Which makes me wonder. I wonder why they, they did a new faction as opposed to doing the old iconic sculpt. They explained it in uh, one of their preview seminars. I can't remember which one. Mm -hmm. I remember my ears perked up because I love the Arbites. I have yeah. I have some. I've had them since second edition. Um, the Arbites are still in the lore. They're still in the game. Mm -hmm. But these guys are like local police. Gotcha. So the Arbites are like the... They're there as much as anything to like keep an eye on the, the planetary governors. Mm. Uh, they deal with like big scale crime. Right. Um, they're like the the it's like military, the police, FBI right? or the CIA, right? Yeah. And then these guys are like the SWAT team. They yeah. go in and like deal with yeah. smaller level crime. And the models are 
Awesome. They're amazing. Absolutely amazing. <clears throat> and then their uh, their counterpart in the new Necromunda box set are called the the Bone Reaper Gang, if I remember correctly. Uh, Corpse, Corpse Grinders. Corpse Grinders. That's right. Um, these guys are kind of weird. Like the models are amazing. Mm -hmm. And I can see a lot of people using these in, you know, chaos armies and 40 K. But, um, yeah, it's, they're, they're kind of a different faction. They're obsessed with like death and stuff. And they're, they're more of a cult, um, well, they, than a gang. They're from, so like, I guess in Necromunda, they eat people. Yep. And so these guys were, that was their job. They're called corpse grinders and they're the people that take the dead and then like mash them up and make food, but they've gone insane. And so they start like, then they get like recruited by like these other people that are like insane and they worship the, the God of skin and meat. That's a God. That's their God. It's a very limited scope. That's their God. So they're not actual chaos. They're just crazy people. Yeah. That eat their cannibals. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome and the models look really really cool yeah they do they look very good i can see a lot of conversions i don't know they haven't shown the scale like you i haven't seen them next to like another model so i'm assuming they're probably like standard human size they're on 32 mil bases so they probably they might not work as berserkers because berserkers are supposed to be a lot bigger but anyways they look cool so yeah check this out yeah. and then if you want to pick them up of course you can do so from frontline gaming next or uh, this coming saturday if you're listening to the podcast not live uh, it would be tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, November is Frontline Gaming's birthday month. Uh, the company turned nine years old uh, this month. It's crazy. I uh, I cannot believe we're going into our 10th year uh, as a business. It, it seriously does not feel like it's been that long. It's The time has just flown by. And as we do, um, we wanted to kind of do like a, like a little in... in trip down memory lane to talk about how we've got here, what, what it took for frontline gaming to kind of be born and, and, and to arrive at this point. Cause a lot of people are really curious about it. It's not, we don't do this uh, to be self-indulgent. Uh, just a lot of people are genu genuinely curious about the journey of the company. Cause it's been, it's a, it's a pretty interesting story. Yeah. Um, and it's also quite poignant <clears throat> this particular time because this will be Jason's uh, last time on the podcast, as a lot of you probably already know, the company is in the process of relocating. Uh, we're moving Frontline Gaming to uh, Boulder City, Nevada. It's right next to Las Vegas. Uh, Frankie is there uh, now with some of the staff getting things set up. Um, we're like literally in the middle of doing it. We, yeah. we had a big flatbed truck come on, uh, on the, over the weekend and we had loaded it up with a lot of the equipment and all that. Uh, and the rest of us will be here in San Diego until the end of December. Um, and it is a part of the, the process of relocating all the staff and, you know, the, the whole rigmarole of moving a company. It's a huge pain in the butt when you're going to another state. Well, if you're moving down the street, it's a pain in the butt. It's even more difficult when you're leaving the state. But uh, Jason will be going to uh, finish out his time with us in Frontline Gaming in Las Vegas so this will be the last time he appears on the show. Mm -hmm. A little bittersweet. It's been awesome having you, um, not only as a co-host on the show, mm -hmm. uh, but you've been with the company since, I think, year three. Um, I think I've been here about five years. Totally. Yeah. yeah. You, you came in. You came it was, it was when you guys board really three. started. When, when it was less. San Diego. When it was less of a risk. Yes. To join up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when we were in Martinez, and then yeah. and then I joined, and then you guys were like, "Now we're going to San Diego," and I was yeah. like, "Hmm." <laughs> uh, 
I wasn't planning on that. So, uh, well, so you know what? Why don't we, we'll, we'll kind of give you like a, a, a recap of how it all came about yep. and how you joined. And then um, you can talk about, you know, your plans for the future if you want to. Sure. A little bit. Um, so, yeah, like I said, we're leaving the state and Jason has made the decision that he wants to stay in San Diego. It's totally understandable. It's an amazing city. Yeah. Um, and it's not, you know, there's obviously no hard feelings or mm -hmm. anything like that. Um, if we weren't leaving the state, you probably wouldn't be leaving the company. But uh, going on to, to new things, you've met someone special here, which is a big part of that. Mm -hmm. We're all really happy for you. And it's totally understandable that you want to uh, continue your life here. Yeah. So way back in the way back in the midst of time, some of you have already heard the story. I apologize if you had, but for those of you joining us uh, for the first time, uh, Frontline Gaming was formed by a group of people uh, up in the Bay. Team Zero Comp was kind of the the, the where it all began. Mm -hmm. uh, Frankie and one of our friends, Will, started Team Zero Comp way way back in the day. It was a group of friends that went to tournaments. Uh, I moved up to the Bay to actually be a part of a different startup. Um, in the Bay Area, I was looking for people to play 40K with. Uh, on uh, Daka Daka, of all places, I found Frankie and, and Will and some of the uh, Luis and some of our friends that played uh, um, in 40K in that area. Justin, who was one of the main game designers at um, uh, Malifaux, helped, or uh, at Weird, helped make Malifaux was in the group. A really fun group of guys. And they, they invited me in, I joined the team, and we decided to run our own tournament because at that time, way back in the day there were barely any uh tournaments it's nothing like it is now and there was especially not very really any competitive tournaments mm -hmm. um really it was there was like three in the whole country um yeah one time. of them was my most of them were games workshop put on those were were dying at that yeah, point in time but they, those were the big ones yep. they, they they're um what were they called the games days the, the, they were the gts yeah yeah and those were dying. Uh, Games Workshop was doing less and less of them. And it was at that point in time, that was at the very beginning of the explosion of the independent tournament scene, right? Like really all you had was Adepticon. Mm -hmm. And then there was a couple small regional events. Like there was a crew that ran some really fun events around around here. They ran the SoCal Smackdown, the SoCal Slaughter. Mm -hmm. Do you remember those? I do. Those yeah, were yeah. super fun. Yeah, down in LA. And there was a couple of regional events, but really the only ones you ever heard of was Adepticon. And then uh, right uh, right before the BAO, Nova uh, came out and yeah. it was their second year, I think, but it was the first year that they, that they were kind of like yeah. publicly acknowledged on a, on a national scale. And then right after that, we did the BAO um, and it was a huge success, right? There was a big mm -hmm. demand for competitive tournaments. And I know to people listening to this now, that seems like so strange Mm -hmm. because it's been such a journey back in those days it was such a different uh, atmosphere yeah. because people fought incessantly about the right way to play the game yeah which is so dumb <laughs> well there was a lot of it was um you know nine ten years ago it was really the the advent um of the forums and yeah. the chat rooms and you it's so um, everyone's so connected now and it wasn't the case at the time it wasn't you had your local game store where, where you probably had you know 10 people that would play 40k you know you'd go and it would just do pickup games you yep. pick up games and then you would eventually the forum started popping up people would talk about competitive voice to play um, I think I came on board not with you guys but like I had just returned to the States from Korea. From Korea, where I'd been living. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get back into playing 40K. 
And it was really just that you would go to these local game stores um, and you'd have, you know, 10, 15 people that would play, play pickup games, you got to know people. But then these tournaments started happening. I was like, what is this? What's the tournament? Like, that's weird. Like, I was like, this is a weird thing to do, but I would, I would go and have fun and the same 10 people would go and it would be not competitive. You play out of the book. Um, But then you started seeing these big events that came out. Like Adepticon had been going, but it wasn't nearly as big as it is now. Um, what, they probably had like 100 people maybe? No, maybe? Adepticon was pretty big back then. Because I remember... I had, 10 years ago? Uh, oh, yeah. Because Adepticon was like going on 17, 18 years. Yeah. And um, when they started, it was just a local Chicago tournament. But then right. it, it was the first. And they really blazed the trail. Because I remember I went to Adepticon in 2000, like, 2009, mm-hmm. 2010. And like you said, it was the birth of the... Uh, online 40k scene mm-hmm. right like daka daka uh, there was only a handful there was wars here there was daka daka librarium um, online librarium online gw shut down their their forums yep. because it was people were such dicks to each other yeah you stopped seeing the games workshop support for organized play because and, the, and the games days about 10 years ago that's when they stopped doing them. it was more than that but yeah but yep. I, and that's my point of reference is because i really only came on board about when you guys started yeah because that was the bay area up there and so yeah, and so all the, you know, there's no more forums from Games Workshop. They stopped doing their own tournaments. They stopped really even talking about it. So that's when people started picking up the slack. Like um, every time Games Workshop leaves these... a vacuum in the marketplace, it gets yeah. filled, right? Like we've seen it over and over again with 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 games, with the GTS. Yeah, and um, that was what was happening. They were kind of like pulling away from the big organized scene. It left a vacuum place, a vacuum in the marketplace, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the independence started to pop up. And then the, this coincided with the fact that fifth edition was fire. It was so good. Fourth edition was really fun, but fifth edition was like, it was made for turn for match play. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the gentleman who wrote it, Alessio Cavatore, um, a really good rules writer. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 that edition was like perfect for match play. So it was like this perfect storm of, of events. Right, Games Workshop leaving a, a vacuum in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, the the internet really like being born. Like, uh, for those of you who don't remember, way back in the day, uh, Bell of Lost Souls was a, a blog for a local gaming group in Austin, Texas, yep. and it had all this like goofy, fun stuff. And it, 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 Larry, the the owner, of Big Red, had the vision to see what was happening, and he's turned it into a huge company now. Yep. Um, I mean, a huge company, but a successful big company. And that was all happening at the same time. 40K Radio with Spencer and those that guys. That was the first of its kind. It was the very first one. And and it was amazing. I was like, there's a, a, a radio show? Yeah, for about 40K. Warhammer? I was like, what is going on? Because yep. remember, this all was happening at the same time. And it was so mm-hmm. exciting and cool and energizing. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, you started to see people organizing events. Mm-hmm. And I had gone to Adepticon for years and the first time I went, I've told this story many times, it was like my mind was blown. I couldn't believe mm-hmm. that just hobbyists, just regular people could could go and put something like this on. Like it wasn't Games Workshop doing it. Mm-hmm. It opened my eyes to the idea that this was even feasible. Right. Right. And then seeing, you know, other events pop up like Nova. And then there was an event called the Sprue Posse GT mm-hmm. that happened in LA. And these were competitive magic guys that were um, playing 40K. And then they put together super professional a uh, super fun event. And then the way they structured it, they took a lot of the ideas from competitive magic, brought it over to 40K. And it was like such a difference because as as I was saying before, previously the way that like Games Workshop, the model they had given us for running events 
was like, you know, you had like favorite opponent votes, uh, like all this. You had really weird, funky missions. Mm -hmm. Some people like that. I'm not putting it down, but it's really not, it's not great for match play. Mm -hmm. um, and you would go to a tournament and it was always just kind of like this weird, like so much of the outcome of the event was based on if your opponent liked you or not. And it was all this yeah, like weird a stuff. Lot of, like painting scores, yeah. like who had the best painted mar army, like yeah. wacky things that happened during the game. Yeah. Which is, that's fine because that company at the time was very like family oriented. Like this well, is just, a fun, like you that know, was the traditional you way to your, do you it. You and your guys, your friends get together. Yeah. yeah so. That was the traditional way to do it. Wolf Priest Carl in the chat says, I remember recent Game Empire with his Dark Angels yeah. back in fourth edition. Yeah, right when I first moved, when I first started playing 40k here in San Diego, that was that was it. I had the old school Dark Angels army. I'd had to, I'd had it since second edition, mm -hmm. um, and that that was kind of like the 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 environment. It was very very different than it is now, and it was like this like culture war mm -hmm. within 40k. Like this the the kind of the old guard wanted to keep doing it the old way, which is totally understandable. And again, I'm not putting it down because mm -hmm. we wouldn't be here without them. And then you had this kind of like this new guard coming in, this new movement to boil away a lot of that stuff and then just kind of like play the game more as like a tournament style game. And it was this big conflict and there was all these articles, like mm -hmm. everyone's trying to like tell each other how to play the game. And it was really silly. Yeah. Um, and we had, I, we had Stellic. Don't even, it's not even, I said his name once. We can't say it two more it's times. Like Beetlejuice. Else, don't yeah. even go there. <laughs> Who remembers him guys? Oh, oh yeah. And, and, Those are the old days. And, yeah. I don't even, let's not even go down that road. A little bit of a uh, little bit of dash. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a different. That was fun. It, it was, was the Wild West. Time. It literally was the Wild West. It was a different time. Yeah, and uh, from that kind of stew, um, we decided to throw our hat in the ring and run a big tournament. And it was yeah. it was scary. Um, I, luckily, and, I, I came. And from this the, is this is before you had started the company, right? Because you guys yes. threw it. Yeah. Because I knew that I knew you guys through um, the Games Workshop in Alamo. Yep, that's where I met you guys because yep. at those little tournaments. Yep, and so I kind of kind of got into that group because we would go eat at the round table that was next door, and that, that's how we, go, we all got to get to know each other. Yeah, we'd all drink some beer and, and play some uh, eat 40K. lots of pizza, and, and it's yeah. uh, from that we, we decided to start the BAO. And like I was saying, it was it was scary. It was a big financial risk. Alex in the chat, uh, everyone is moving to Nevada. Like literally, the whole company is going except Jason. Yep. Uh, it was a big financial risk, but I had come from a background of being an entrepreneur mm -hmm. in other ventures with other people. So I kind of, I had that mentality in my mind already. Mm -hmm. Um, and when we looked at, we went and did, uh, you know, a cost estimate of what it would take to run it. It was many, many thousands of dollars. All of a sudden the big crew of people that were going to run this tournament shrunk down to like four of us. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was Luis, Frankie, Will, and myself. Yeah. And we ran the BAO and it was, it was a huge <clears throat> success. It exceeded our expectations, but like, like as we've been explaining, the, the environment was ripe for it. It was the right, we were in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just so happens that the, the startup that I was a part of at that time um, failed, right? Like it, it's, that's a, a crazy, interesting story unto itself. Incredibly interesting experience, but the, the business did not work out and all of a sudden I found myself out of a job. Mm -hmm. You had just come back from Korea and you were just getting to know all of us. Yeah. So uh, kind of flush with the success of the BAO, we made $14 on it. <laughs> we didn't lose money. No, but you guys, the preparation I remember was so crazy. It was a, it was a huge undertaking. And it I remember was, you painting, you would, so we had a the, the Games Workshop manager, Seth. whose name was Seth. 
Great guy. Who now is um, like the general manager for Game Castle, like all the, their locations. The franchise, He's like, yeah. And so he probably, I'm sure the corporate wasn't happy, but he was letting you guys work out of the GW, if you remember. Yeah, I, mean, I remember you guys. It was no big deal. You like, guys would sit out in the back, in the back alley, yeah. and you guys were painting the models. Yes. Yeah. We were painting the terrain behind the GW, and yep. Seth was helping us. He's and a he was he's an awesome store guy. There, yeah. I remember, and store him. So that was all. It, it took everybody, and I just remember like just how much work you guys were doing. It was a incredibly like for for a lot of the guys involved. That was their first taste of any kind of an entrepreneurial venture, right? Yeah. Like we had to risk our money, have a plan, work our asses off, execute on the plan. It went really well. Everyone had a great time, and all of a sudden we were like, "Oh, we're good at this." Mm -hmm. So me being out of a job. Uh, the team having just had a big win, uh, and then Will, one of our teammates at the time, mm -hmm. he's a current member of the team as well, but um, I know he switched teams, actually, he's not on Team Zero Company. Oh. He, uh, he found an unbelievably cheap uh, a venue, or a, a retail storefront, yeah. in a little town called Martinez, California, and he was like, hey, like, this is down the street from my, my dad's business, uh, Maybe we maybe we do this, and I was like, I'm out of a job. Yeah, I've got 16 grand to my name left yeah. of of my previous venture. Um, and by the way, saying you have 16 grand in the bank to most people sounds like a lot of money, or, or depending on yeah. your, your perspective. Uh, and it was right, like a, that's a good chunk of change to have in the bank. However, starting a business with 16,000 mm dollars -hmm. is madness. Like, yeah, that's in but that also shows how affordable that location was. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> if anyone ever popped by there, and, it uh, was tiny. What was the was square footage, 300? 450 square feet. Yeah, it's in a weird shape. Tiny, Yeah. tiny, tiny. And in the chat, Deathwing123 says, uh, he's curious, we'll come uh, We'll come back to it, yeah. but this is a good question. Why was Jason in Korea? Um, it's a secret. <laughs> he was teaching English. I was teaching English. It wasn't anything cool. I just, I, after college, I went for a couple of years. He, he was yeah. teaching English and uh, trying to pick up on uh, some some of the Korean ladies. Yeah. Semi-successfully. <laughs> the banana. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Cyber Dragon. <laughs> you don't know Cyber half, Dragon, that's 100% accurate. <laughs> you don't know half the... Anyways. Uh, so, at any rate, we opened up a game store with no money and a yeah. tiny storefront yeah. in, in a little town in Northern California. And uh, you, anybody who's listening to this podcast for any length of time has heard these stories before, but they're fun mm -hmm. for people who are new, we'll, we'll, we'll rehash. Uh, it was in uh, a Section 8 housing building, which for those of you who are not from the United States. Or it's California. It's California. Definitely. What that means is it's, uh, it's like government subsidized housing for low income um, uh, individuals, yeah. right? People and people who needed special assistance. So this yeah. building in particular <laughs> was full of uh, drug addicts Disabled. and uh, mentally Disabled. Uh, mentally unwell. Yes. We'll put it that way, people. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> we opened up our business with literally underneath a building full of special individuals, a lot of just crazy people, yeah. frankly. And we have some crazy stories about the crazy people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh. We soon, uh, I guess, I, this is before I came on, but you soon found out why it was costed oh, what it cost. It was yeah. nuts. Across the street. They couldn't give it away. Across okay. the street was an uh, an actual biker chapter house. Yeah. Like the hell, like Hell's Angels. Yeah. Um, and in the town, we had uh, a state prison. Yeah. 
a state hospital, which is like basically a mental hospital and a steel mill. Yeah. And not one, but two biker chapter houses, one which was across the street. And the bus stop, was, if you guys remember the bus, <laughs> that would go by every five minutes. That was the bus stop where they would let the people out yeah. from jail. And the hospital. And prison. And the, the, and the mental hospital. hospital. So it was, it was yeah. a interesting scenario. Great. A great little town. Yeah. yeah. And so we go in and we open the business and I know right away, like there's no way in God's green earth that we are going to hang our shingle mm-hmm. and people are going to walk in here like a normal game store yep. and buy stuff because it was just too small. We had two tables. Mm-hmm. Uh, my desk was in a little like corner of the, 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 yeah. the building it was rect- right it was next to the toilet. Shaped. It was right next to the bathroom. Yeah, like, like like there was maybe two feet between your your chair and the toilet door. I got very familiar with all the sounds and smells mm-hmm. of everybody. Some big boys that were hanging out there. Yep. Yeah. Frankie's desk and a pizza place across the street, so it was not a good combination <laughs> for that bathroom. Yeah. Somebody came in with a with a spicy pizza, and I was like, "Oh no!" God, here we go. Uh, Thirty minutes. Uh, yeah. And uh, Frankie's Frankie's desk. <laughs> Frankie's desk was, he sat at the painting table on yeah. a wooden stool with like literally this much space between the, the desk and the wall. Yeah, about, about a foot and a half. On a wooden stool. And that's where he sat for like three years. Yeah. And my desk was basically in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we, it was insane. So to, to make the whole venture work, uh, uh, Jason actually approached me knowing that what we were doing mm-hmm. and he offered for me to move in to his apartment. Well, you actually approached me first. That's true. That's because right. Remember I had, yep. so I'm not very good with money. You're very bad with money. And so I got back from Korea. I got like a low level, like retail management job and immediately bought a new car and got a one bedroom apartment in the Bay area. Yep. Cause I'm like, oh, I can probably afford it. And quickly found out, nope, no, you cannot on this, this salary. So um, I remember, I think we were at that round table by uh, the Alamo Gaines workshop and I had been like lamenting, like, oh my God, I don't have any money left over at the end of the month after all these these bills. And you actually reached out to me through Facebook. You're like, hey man, I heard, I remember you saying you were- Looking for look, someone You, you were having a hard time, but I'm, you know, I just opened this new store and I need a cheap place to live. What about if I moved in to your one bedroom apartment? Yeah, so I moved into the living room yeah. of this one-bedroom apartment, and I lived there with you for a year it was and a, change. It was about a year. It was a year, a year and, and a half. half. Yeah, because yeah. I had renewed the lease once. And we have so many. <laughs> Just it was a crazy house. We it was have, it was across the... a horrible apartment. It was across the street from a dive bar. So if anybody know me, I, that was a good time for me. <laughs> that was back in your drinking days, big time. And we so have we have was... some we have some stories from that. Boy, that place. <laughs> Uh, that's for frontline. That's for signals after, after dark. dark. If you want to hear real stories. Uh, and so, and then eventually I let you have the bedroom because remember, because these, uh, the next door, this was the worst apartment in history, by the way. <laughs> and it, the, the walls were like cardboard, like they must yeah. have been. So the people next door to me let their 18 year old, uh, grandson and his friends move in rent free. You can imagine the noise yeah. that came from there. And I, I'm a light sleeper. So Reese took the room and I actually, in my own apartment, Lived into slept the- in a bed in the living room. <laughs> this was really, anyway, so that's that's how we met. And that's and that's what it took. Yeah. Because uh, in the early days of the company, um, all the money to fund the first year basically came out of my pocket. Yeah. And I lived on like, it was less than a thousand bucks a month. I can't, I was, it was like, 
850 bucks a month or something yeah. insane. I only ate beans and rice or rice and beans. Yeah. Um, it was really, really, really I don't think we didn't have difficult. cable. No. Like we would like watch DVDs. Do you remember that sad, yeah. sad picture we have of the Christmas? The sad Christmas, Charlie Brown <laughs> Christmas tree. Jason got like a yeah. stick and put it on, put like a, hung like one ornament on like this tree branch. And that was our Christmas tree that year. <laughs> it was very sad. Uh, but, um, you know, that that's what it takes. Yeah. And we were working, in, I was working, you know, seven days a week, 12, mm -hmm. 13 hours a day. Yeah. Frankie would get up at four in the morning. He would go work at um, UPS. UPS until he was like a, he would like unload boxes and load trucks up. Yeah, you know, yeah. He was a he was a line manager actually, yeah. but uh, he did he was loading trucks, um, and then he would after that he would work a six hour shift there, and then he would come to Frontline and he would work another mm -hmm. six seven hours. Yeah, and he did that for the first two years mm -hmm. and did not collect a paycheck. Yeah, he worked for free working an insane, insane schedule. Like mm -hmm. at the end, his dad was having to drive him because he was falling asleep at the wheel because he was only yeah. getting like four to six hours If everyone knows Frankie, like he would never he complain. He would do that for the rest of his life. He'll never complain. And never once tell you. No. You would have to physically witness him like nodding off. Yeah. Because he's just how he is. He'll yeah. work, he'll literally work 48 hours straight, he, not even tell you he did it. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. a stoic individual, yeah. hard, hard working Yeah, so that, person. I mean, that that was very fortunate that you had him on board. Yeah. Because he, yeah, it wouldn't work. Yeah, somebody like that. And we had two other partners with us, both of them pretty quickly realized that this was gonna be not their <laughs> cup of tea. Yeah. So then it was just Frankie and I, and after um, the first two years, which for most small businesses is the, the killer, mm -hmm. most businesses fail in year one. Of those that survive, most of them fail in year two. Mm -hmm. And we did, we managed to uh, to be profitable right from the word go. Yeah. Uh, not by a lot, but... Uh, and it was mostly online based. It's something yeah. that was not being done very much at the time for no. Games Workshop products because it was so difficult to do. Yeah. Because they didn't allow game stores to... Have a web card. Um, have web carts. Well, you, you couldn't put Games Workshop product in a web right. cart. And yeah. so a lot of people weren't doing it. So you guys were like, well, we're going to do it as a business model. With like even though it's a order, pain basically. in the yeah. butt. Yeah. People would literally like, how did they order back then? They would send an email, right? Yep. Like, I want to order this. And yep. we'd say, okay, and then <laughs> send them an invoice. We'd invoice. send them an invoice and then they pay. And then we'd order it and it would come in and we'd ship yeah. it out. And that just wasn't going on at the time because of how much work went into it. Yep. Most stores were not, they're like not interested at all. Yep. But you had to do it because like you said, the location wasn't amazing. There was already some established large game stores in the area yeah. that catered more toward the traditional, you know, what, when you think about a retail game store would be so. And it was it was it was tough, and you know we right out the gates we came out doing everything too. We had a paint studio, paint studio, and yeah. uh, for those of you who were customers back then, first of all, thank you. Second yeah. of all, there's a lot of people out there with armies that were literally painted by myself, yeah, Frankie, and it was funny because I was the only one that actually knew how to paint, yeah. And then uh, and our our buddy Kino came on, which Kino, mm -hmm. if you're listening, I hope you're doing great, man. I haven't talked in a while, but yeah. he was with us in the beginning, super helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, Kino and I were the only two that actually knew how to paint. Mm -hmm. Everyone else was just like, the sit there and I'm like, okay, now paint that green, now paint that silver. <laughs> we're just like yeah. daisy chain it and get it done. And at the same time, we're trying to ship out all these um, packages and run a blog and all this crazy stuff. Yeah. So the um, podcast and we were doing it all basically for free yes. for two years. Yeah. It was rough. Like almost daily videos that would go up on YouTube, yeah. which was super, that's how you got the word out that you would sell product yeah. and then people would reach out. So yeah, that was like, that was, we were doing like- Every way to get people to notice you, you yeah. did. Like and I it was- worked. it worked. 
I was writing an article every single day yeah. for the blog. And which now that's standard. Is, now people uh, do that as now that's yeah. a normal thing, but at the time it wasn't. No, we were not. the we were the only people putting competitive uh, video battle ports on the web. Period. We were the yes. only ones. Uh, Mini wargaming was really the only thing else out there. And then you know their their stuff is great, but it's not competitively oriented. It's they they play the game just for fun, mm -hmm. which is totally fine. I love those guys; they're great. But um, that was one of the things that like kind of like got us out there, right? So anybody out there that is thinking about getting into business in this business, which I get asked this quite these questions all the time, you you want to find angles like that um, that help leverage it because we were putting out like two to three video battle reports a week. Mm -hmm. But if you go back and look at them compared to the quality of what's out there now, yeah. the things we were putting out there were just garbage. And it was same day. It was almost literally same day. You guys would you would film on your handy cam. Yep. If it was charged, because everyone always forgot to plug it in, and then you would film it, you would upload it, you would I download would, it onto your computer, and then you would upload it almost the same day. I would, it would like it would take me like an hour after yeah. the game. I would just go sit down and do but it. But it was daily. It was a daily thing. It was, it was two to three times a week. Yeah. yeah. And we did all kinds of fun stuff. Like if you can beat me, you get a hundred bucks. That was back yeah. when I was like really, really the good. The wizard staff. Really good at the game. Wizard staff was a terrible idea. That was idea. a San Diego thing. But that, um, Void Wrath. I to find that video. No, I, I deleted it. It's <laughs> terrible. Void Wraith in the chat says that's how, we found, how yeah. he found us. How and most people did. That's a lot yeah. of people found us uh, by finding our crappy video battle reports because we were the only ones that were doing competitive content yeah. that we actually knew what we were talking about. Yeah. And that was how we um, that was how we, we came in contact with the, our late friend, uh, Jeff Robinson. Mm -hmm. Told the story many times, but uh, he, he, just, he just he walked reached, in, right? He, no, he, he called. He, he reached, he sent an email and he's like, oh, hey, if I tweet about you guys, will you give me a discount on a painting commission? I'm like, tweet? I didn't even really know what Twitter was. Right. And then I went to his account and I was like, holy crap. Because that was at his the height of his, when he was like a StarCraft player. Super dude, Like yeah. before he really, like not, he never lost popular, and in fact, he gained popularity. But yeah. like that was when he was like actively competing and playing. Yeah. And like people would stop him in the streets. Yeah, it was yeah. weird. And like to us, he was just our buddy and we've told these stories many times, yeah. but then he came in and like he obviously Jeff is, was a hyper competitive individual. Mm -hmm. and, and then he was coming like, this is a guy who's like a famous person coming to our crappy hot little store. Yeah. He would drive 45 minutes just because he wanted to play with the, the people he considered to be the best around to play with. Yeah. And it was fun. It was an exciting time back then. Like, you know, uh, it, it, we're way more structured and, and uh, more professional. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was the wild west back then. Um, and a lot of guys in the chat, yeah, Hunter and Sparky said they found us correct. Fiasco said they found us through Jeff, which we're eternally grateful for. Uh, but it was in that it was a, that year three when the business was stabilized, and you know, Frankie and I were, were Frankie quit UPS. He came full full force frontline, um, and that was when we were looking to take on some more help so that we could live a kind of a normal life. Mm -hmm. Right, I had a um, you know I had a, a girlfriend at the time, and I wanted to have more time, all that kind of you know normal human being stuff. <clears throat> and you were really dissatisfied with your corporate job, uh, and you approached yeah. us saying that you would be willing to come on board with, for a pay cut to come on board with. Well, Frontline. not at first. Remember, I had come in, and um, it was during a, one of those particularly rough early paint commissions, and you were on the phone because I I would just stop in because we were still roommates at the time. Um, luckily we had upgraded to a two bedroom apartment by then, but, uh, I come in after work and you know, you were explaining something to this client. He was very upset and I kind of just didn't even know why, but I offhandedly said, Hey, can I, do you want me to help you with that? I'm not doing anything. Yeah. And then I actually would do, I, I took over the administration of the paint service while I was still working 
my old job. Yeah, sure. That's right. You did. I did you were double dipping. Yeah. I did it for a while because um, it, I also got some income from it, some yeah. extra income. So, but then eventually, um, I don't even remember how the idea started, but yeah, it was like, I'll just come on board. Yeah. You, cause you were really dissatisfied with your job and we were yeah. just, obviously we were still living together. Yeah. And uh, I was like, dude, just come, come yeah. work with us. So I was like, we can't pay you as much, but you're going to be happier. Yeah. And, and that was when you came on board. Yeah. Um, and then just to interject really quickly in the chat, there's a bunch of people saying that they remember the store that came by. Thank you. We mm -hmm. had so many. And again, like agent X-Men says, we were just having fun. Like, at the time, we didn't really look at it as a marketing device so much as we looked at it. It was just us having fun, mm -hmm. being rowdy guys that drinking beer and telling yeah. off-color jokes, just being normal people. Yeah. And it was just, again, it was the right place at the right time, mm -hmm. right? And those videos reached a lot of people. And we had people that would come from, like, out of the country. Yeah. They would come to visit us in this. And we were, like, flabbergasted, like, these people... These yeah. people would come in, they, they didn't come to see us. Like they would be in the country mm -hmm. and they'd go out of their way to come and see us. And we yeah. were just like, that was when it really started to click. We were like, man, this, this is, this is so much bigger. This could be so much bigger than we think it is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we had people that are like, oh, I, I'm like a Pascal from New Zealand. He was, he came yeah. to that little crappy store and we were like, dude, I can't believe people are listening to us in New Zealand. It was like mind blowing. Yeah, and people come to the store and be like, <laughs> they'd be like, wow. Yeah, they walk in like this dump is there's where frontline there'd be like a person like, screaming outside like <laughs> ah. like oh yeah that's just a resident yep. upstairs yep so and then right you guys decided to move to san diego so like literally within a month of me joining and you're like hey just so you know so crazy story this is a, this is a crazy story uh we had this we'd been working forever to move into a bigger store because we wanted to be a traditional game store yeah and we had found an amazing spot in a town called dublin california yeah like a half a mile from a high school, right next to the food, huge spot, yeah. freeway visibility. It was like an amazing location. Um, and we were going all in, you know, we'd secured funding to pay to get us in, it's a big risk. Um, we'd been negotiating the, the lease for like a month, blah, blah, blah. So that the idea was we're gonna go in, mm -hmm. run this badass store. It's gonna have like 32 gaming tables. We were really hyped and literally, the night before I was going to go sign the lease, the shady ass owner of the building mm -hmm. leased it to somebody else, bypassed both of the leasing agents. This is like super shady. Yeah. It's not illegal, but it's extremely unethical. So the next morning I get up to go sign the lease mm -hmm. and uh, the, 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 my agent calls and was like, uh, the, the building's no longer for lease. And I was like, what the yeah. F? Yeah. And so then, uh, you know, on a personal note too, like I was, um, supposed to be like moving in with, with my girlfriend at the time and all this, this stuff. Yeah. And then within a span of like two weeks, the plans for the future that we've been working on for three years just went up in smoke. Mm -hmm. The place we were supposed to be moving our business was gone. Uh, uh, you know, on a personal note, I wasn't going to go out to that, that Ray anymore mm -hmm. either. And uh, uh, I had to move in with Frankie's parents. Mm -hmm. Um, which are lovely people and I, I love them to death and I'm so thankful that they let me move yeah, into because them. I had gotten married you had gotten married and, and of I, course you didn't want to me to live with you to anymore get an apartment with her yeah so <laughs> which is I, totally understandable which, and that was happening at the exact same time too yeah yeah so then all of a sudden in the span of like a like a very short period of time the 10-year plan just vanished yeah. smoke smoke in the wind and I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> like, what do we do now? So on a whim, I started looking at uh, commercial property in San Diego because that's, that's what this is. I consider mm -hmm. this to be my home. It's not where I was born, but I've lived here a very long time. Mm -hmm. And 
by just sheer luck, found an incredible, uh, unbelievable deal, much like yeah. Martinez in downtown San Diego, which is exactly where I wanted to live. Mm-hmm. Call one of my best friends. He goes in, takes some pictures, leased the place sight unseen because mm-hmm. it was such a good deal. And I remember I talked to Frankie. I was like, Frankie, yeah. does this make sense? Are you down to do this? And he and I were living at his parents' house together. Yeah. Uh, and he was just like, he just wanted to get out of the house. He's like, man, yeah. I'm, I'm like 24 now or 23. I was like, I'm ready to move out. Mm-hmm. So we did. We pulled up the roots, moved everything down to San Diego. You stayed in the Bay. For a while. For yeah. a while, running the store there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had two locations for a while. And then eventually you were like, hey, I don't I don't want to do this. I want to work with you guys. Yeah. So you moved down. And we've been here for five years. Mm-hmm. Launched the mats. It, yep. you know, the mats launched. Um, we yep, we, did, launched it, we did it in Martinez, yep. but it was much smaller scale. Yep. Like much, much smaller scale. And it yep. was different. And then we... Parted ways with their old business partners mm-hmm. and um, became the only uh, U.S.-based manufacturers yep. of the products. And then that's just been the history. And well, that was a huge yeah. that was a huge deal too because buying all the equipment to make the yeah. to make the it's mats huge. it's huge. We had to get a bigger facility, which is where we're at. And our current facility, which is mm-hmm. four thousand square feet, it's ten times bigger than our first spot. Um, and that was really difficult because our place downtown San Diego was super cheap. Mm-hmm. But we knew we needed to grow because we were kind of like... It was, plat- just, it was more of just an office to work yeah. out of. Yeah. And we kind of plateaued. Like we weren't... We needed a big jump to yeah. keep the company alive. Otherwise, yeah. like we, we could have sustained ourselves where we were at, but it wasn't... We were just... We weren't making very much money as individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we were in year four of the... Bit, or five, four and five of the business. And we yeah. were kind of like, we need, we need to put the gas pedal down or this is not a sustainable... You know, <clears throat> none of us are going to be able to, to to buy a house, raise a family, live a normal life with what we're making. We need to, we need to make a jump. Mm-hmm. So we took a huge risk, got the bigger facility, hired new employees, got the equipment, and uh, it was like starting the business all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was it was so hard yeah. um, to do, and that kind of took us through the last three years of just grinding you know, losing money mm-hmm. um, and just like pushing, pushing, pushing to get revenue to surpass overhead. And we finally, finally did. And then, you know, to kind of take us to the, to the present, that's the main reason why we're leaving um, California is mm-hmm. as much as I love this state, I love the people, San Diego especially is, is, is like a wonderful, amazing, vibrant city with the, the weather's perfect. You got the ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much to do, and I don't. I can totally understand why you want to stay. It's an amazing place. Mm-hmm. Uh, running a business in this state is just yeah. so difficult, yep. right? Like you know, especially in these last three years of going through the crucible of of growing the company to a point where it's actually you know yeah. providing a sustainable income and everything. Um, we did a cost analysis looking at uh, the rest of the United States, mm-hmm. and it was like. Why are we? Why are we right. doing this to well, ourselves? Because we're, we're not a. Um, we're we're most we're mainly a manufacturing company. Oh, and we, we, are, we, and we our have five main revenue streams that are our, all significant. But I mean, like the revenue streams of the company are not based off of location. Location. So pe- we, it's not like you know people have been to our location. We're in a business park. You yeah. know, um, we don't need you to be able to walk in. Most of our customers, like 99.9% of our customers, of all of our products, do not live in the state of California. 
Well, no, that's, that, that's not entirely but, true, but you understand what yeah. you're saying. Like, so to run a business, like, yeah, there's, you know, there's good businesses to run in California, but a manufacturing and distribution business does not need to be here. Seriously, there's not any there's no reason business to, to run in California. And just the, you know, it's, it's hard. Um, well, it's, we, it's the highest rent in they, the country. They make it difficult to work here. That's, it's the highest rent yeah. in the country, highest taxes in the country. Right. Um, it's just it's very very and difficult. Gas prices. Yeah. I mean, gas is four four fifty a gallon. Yeah. Uh, electricity, everything. So, um, looking at it from the perspective of a business owner, when we started doing a cost analysis of looking at the other states, I, I was like almost angry. I was like, we yeah. If we would have left the state three years ago, we'd yeah. be. But when we had started so much further, when we had down started down here in San Diego, the business model was different. We really just needed office space. Well, we, you know always, I mean? we we've always had a storefront that yeah. that we have a traditional game store element to it, but that's never been the main part of the company, yeah. right? And from the word go, yeah. and again because of being in in California and the rent is so incredibly high here, mm -hmm. um, we never could afford enough square footage to have the real deal. We tried, and then fate intervened. Mm -hmm. um, but when I talk to game store owners in other states, it's like ludicrous the difference in rent. And when you really think about it, when you really boil down the actual business, the friendly local game store business model, it's a terrible, terrible business model. It's yeah. so dumb. You're, you're leasing a space that's usually commercial property, which is the most expensive re, um, uh, commercial space you can get. Mm -hmm. And you're dedicating a huge percentage of that square footage to letting people come and hang out. And a lot of times they don't even buy anything. Mm -hmm. That like, when you really look at it from a, just like a strictly business perspective, it's the dumbest business model ever, mm -hmm. right? Cause the name of the game in retail is maximizing every square foot to generate revenue. Yeah. So, and that's why game stores go out of business so frequently is that it's more of a club and the people who open the game stores approach it in that manner. It's like, if I had a game store, how would it be? It would be like this perfect thing where mm -hmm. everyone could hang out and kick, kick their feet up. And it, it's nice. And in some states you can do that because the rent is low. But in California, it's, it's, it's the most difficult place to do it yeah. in the whole country. And that was why we kind of had to go online, which has turned out to be quite a boon for us. Mm -hmm. And that's another reason why relocating the business. Like we have customers that come in every day and hang out and we're going to miss them. But losing that business is not going to, to kill us. And if you're out there in Nevada and you want to come and swing by the shop and play a game, please do. Um, but we've never leaned into that yep. as the, the pillar of our company. Yep. Um, yeah, it's, I could go on and on on this topic, and I'm sure a lot of people are very interested in it. But yeah. um, suffice it to say that uh, the move from California to Nevada is going to save us an unbelievable amount of money. Like It's a no-brainer. It's a no Most people brainer. are like who are in business are like, okay, finally. People are leaving yeah. the state in droves. And I, I, don't, I, don't want, like, I don't want to go into politics or anything yeah. like that. That's not what we're here for. Yeah. Uh, but almost all of my family has left the state. Like yeah. I have a huge family, four generations, California. Mm -hmm. There's almost none of us left. Yeah. It's just gotten so expensive. Mm -hmm. And it's just like to throw it out there just so people get kind of an idea of how crazy it has gotten in this state. Um, the median price for a home in San Diego County is six fifty. $650,000 and that's for like a two bedroom. Um, if you go out of the county, if you go like at what we call like East County, like you go further away from the city, you can get something for four. Mm -hmm. um, and in, in a place like Nevada, which is a much more, it's much more reflective of what it actually costs to live in the United States of America. The median home value is like 220, 230, right? The exact same house. Mm -hmm. One's, you know, near Las Vegas, the other's in San Diego. 
uh, it's three times, so three times as expensive, just yeah. about. So, uh, and, you know, like the rent on the buildings and everything like that's so mm-hmm. much lower. So, and the other, some of the other benefits too is there's no state income tax, no corporate income tax, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, like everything is cheaper, gas is cheaper, food is cheaper. It's nuts. Yeah. And when you really look at it, you're like, as much as I love it here in this state, I just can't justify trying to run a business here. It's just, we're yeah. just throwing money out the window for, yeah. for no gain. I mean, it's, it's long story short, Yeah. it's going to be much better for the company. Yep. So. And that is why we were going to be saying our goodbyes to the, the banana. He's going to continue to run the paint studio. For those of you who are like alarmed by this, don't be. He'll be with yeah, us. Yeah, this is just this is just my last show because yeah. of the like Reese had said, um, half the the company is now in Vegas, and then yep. the part the part that I um, oversee is next week going to be in Vegas. So I'm not leaving the company right now. Just you know, probably still a couple months left. But um, I uh, I'll be going to Vegas instead of San Diego um, yep. for the time being because we need to get that the studio up and running plus some of the other areas that I, I oversee as well. So that's where I'll be. Yep. So yeah, I'm not, it's not tomorrow. I'm not gone. Um, yeah. I also, you know, like I, I look at this hopefully as like a way for me to also get back into having a passion and an interest in the gaming community. Cause I'll be honest, like I'm just, it, the spark is gone. It's been gone for a while. And, and when you're in it day in and day out, you know, 10 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, you're, and you're just constantly talking about it and working with artists and, uh, you know, because I, I do a lot of things for the company, but the paint studio has been my primary um, uh, area of responsibility. You just lose interest. And I, it's been years since I've wanted to play a game of 40K or, or, or anything, really. Um, and that used to be such a big part of my life. I mean, it's how I met all you guys, by going to the game store because I wanted to go play, you know, um, yep. Games Workshop games. So I really hope that that's... Um, something that will come back i think it will if it you know i have a little time off and so i mean i hope to like obviously we're all friends here like we're all close personal friends so i'll be around you know just not in an official capacity Um, and it's been great i've had a really good time i tell people that all the time to your point Mm -hmm. um when they're like oh man you guys like living the dream and i'm like we we really are i'm so thankful yeah like i'm so thankful that i've been able to that all of us have been able to turn our passion into our business and actually have it work yeah. by, by some miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is when you go home, you don't want to paint models anymore. You don't want to you don't want to read, read your codex. Code. Yeah. Like you, we still do, obviously. Yeah, you and Frankie have maintained a lot better. It, it takes than work. I have, and I, I, I theorize that that's because I don't know. I think it's something with the paint studio <laughs> that really sapped my, it, my it can, interest it can in burn, it. It can burn you out. Because yeah. like, I remember when Pablo came on, he was so gung-ho. So he's like, yeah. yeah even Pablo at this point. And he was like, like it's now, hard to get him to play a game. Five, nine, it's not hard to get him to play a game. But like five years in, I think Pablo's been with us for four or five years now. Uh, now he was like, he comes in the office sometimes. He's like, dude, I get it. He's like, I go home and I want to like play a video game or play X-Wing. Exactly. <laughs> it, 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 it takes work. It's still yeah. so fortunate. still have an absolute love for the game. But it's it's not the same when it's your job. Yeah, it's just not. Um, and we would love to see you come back because that was like that was where this all came from. Was a yeah, love. Yeah, you write articles too. Yeah, you guys. write articles, and it was the love of all of us going to events, having a laugh, yeah. playing the game, being silly, and mm-hmm. having a good time. That was where this all came from. And it would be great to to have you back in that capacity. Yeah. So after J- some time off. <laughs> yeah. So Jason will be at the yeah. LVO. That's going to be kind of like the final. Uh, act as an official part of the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Brian Spilero in the chat was asking you, what are your plans? What are you going to do after Frontline? Um, 
something different than this industry. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you might as well throw it out there. You might get a, a lead. Well, I'm just in a couple different lanes looking, yeah. you know, kind of like where I've, my background is, which is, you know, in project management and operations and stuff. So, um, you know, probably more back, back to some schooling, you know, cause you need to update some of that stuff, but yeah, it's just, this was a good opportunity for me. Um, Cause you know, I, I wanted to come on board with you guys. It's been great, but this is just kind of not what I had envisioned. Kind of like what, you know what I mean? But you get, most people know you get kind of like into a routine and you're like, okay, well this is good. But so when you guys are like moving away and then, you know, you get into a relationship, you, you make um, very close personal relationships here in San Diego and California. It was okay for me to be like, you know what? I think this is good. I think well, if there was a time to, yeah. to go, this was, this the was time it. It's, per, it's, it's yeah. just, it's a, it was an opportunity. And, you know, it's on very good terms. Like I said, we're all still very close personal friends, which I assume will continue throughout life. And um, I'll be around in some capacity after a little time away <laughs> to like yeah. to readjust. And um, yeah, and, you know, I'm looking forward to, uh, um, you know, the people that I'm, I'm training up for you guys um, are going to do a fantastic job. We have some big plans for the paint studio going forward. So it's going to be even better, especially out in Las Vegas. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So don't, if anybody who has ongoing pain commissions, uh, I'll be around for a while and then we'll, we'll be transitioning some people I'm already working with. So, and we'll, we'll throw it out there now as a little bit of a kind of a preview of what is to come because, because the cost of living is so like reasonable, um, out there where we're at. Yeah. Um, we're going to be looking at, um, Valuable, talented, hardworking painters will be looking at actually having you come work at the studio. Yep. Um, and we have plans for making that a viable uh, move. So anybody out there that um, considers that to be a possible career path, something that would be fun, you'd want to be kind of a part of the, the whole the family here. Yeah. Keep that in the back of your mind because that's that's where we're going. That's one of the main. Uh, paths of growth that we see for the studio mm -hmm. is to have people come and work on one roof. Yes. And it's um, much more um, realistic for people to move to Las Vegas than to San Diego. Than to try to come to San Diego and make a living. Which is so expensive. Which here. is not, it's just not, yeah. it's not a realistic proposition. I mean, if you really want to live here, you, you've got to be bringing in like, if you really want to live comfortably by house and everything, your household income needs to be like close to a hundred grand here. Yeah. Really. So. It, it's, and it's, it's, it just keep going up too. Yeah. But. So that's, that is something that we'll, we'll be making announcements with, but yeah. Um, a lot of cool stuff coming up. There is. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, we're, we're nothing but thankful for the hard work. You've been with us almost since the beginning. You've been a part of it mm -hmm. since the literal beginning. Cause yeah. without you, I didn't have an affordable place to live. Mm -hmm. Um, because I needed to keep my overhead as low as possible. And I'm really thankful that um, you allowed me to come into your home. We didn't really know each other that well back then. We were just- Yeah, it was a little weird. We were buddies, but we didn't, we didn't, we weren't like- It was weird, but it friends. was like, it was a, a financially beneficial yeah. for both of us. And then yeah. we, yeah, that's so, how we began. You know, you've been with us, essentially in some capacity, you've been with us all nine years. Yeah. Uh, officially for- It's been about five. Six, five, no, I think it's been like six years, man. Um, I think 2015, so it's even been less. Four yeah. years, just about four. Yeah. Anyway, you, you've helped. Officially for four years, like on like payroll. Yeah. yeah. Frontline Gaming would not be what it is without you. Mm -hmm. And we're extremely thankful for your hard work, um, dedication. We've gone through a lot of life's ups and downs together. Mm -hmm. And um, it really wouldn't be the same without you. So we're going to miss you very much. Um, but we wish you well in the future. 
and uh, hopefully start playing the game again. Yes, I think <laughs> I will. It was such a big part of my life for since I can even remember, like to be honest, like yeah. since I was 10, 9, 10 years old. So, um, yeah, we're all yeah. excited. We're all excited for the, the turning of the page. It's a new chapter for everybody. Yeah. We're all super excited to move out to, to Nevada. We've been talking mm -hmm. to the, the community out there is really, they have a really strong community. They have some really, really good stores out there, mm -hmm. like War Room Games. Yeah, um, Little Shop of Magic. Little Shop of Magic. There's quite a few, actually. There's some really good, yeah. there's a strong scene out there. So we're really excited to, to get a change of pace. You know, like a lot of us moving out to, to um, either Vegas or Boulder City, mm -hmm. you know, it's exciting. Like, oh, we can actually afford to buy a house. You know, like, it's just, it's going to be really cool. And it's, it's, it's nice. It's like a nice change of pace to like, let's yeah. get a big change. Um, and we can't wait to, to make friends or better friends with all the people out there in the, the Nevada scene. Yep. And uh, a big sincere thank you to all of our local customers that come in all the time. Uh, you've been a huge part of our success and we really appreciate it. And we're going to miss you. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's time for the turning of the page. Yeah, new chapter. New chapter of life. Um, so let's jump back on over Ooh, to the notes. Oh my goodness. Going a little long, we, but... Uh, where are we at? We're going to show some of these funny pictures of you. No, oh, these aren't funny photos. I like... See, now he's P-H-A-T. He used to be F-A-T. <laughs> from my Facebook page. Do we need, We don't need to put this stuff up. Ah, it's fun. It'll be in the show notes. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Whew. So if anyone doesn't know, I, uh, I, on my own, decided that I am unhealthy, and I lost 100 pounds in a year. Yep. And was that was crazy. just through determination. Yeah. <laughs> I literally would eat the same thing every day, but it worked, and uh, got into an exercise routine, which I've... Stop drinking. Stop drinking. Yeah. So that was a big part as well. Um, so yeah, it's been a, a pretty crazy ride. Yeah. That God, that picture with the hammer. You were so big, dude. But powerful. <laughs> you couldn't move me. <laughs> you couldn't move me. Try it. Uh, that beard. Uh, uh, okay. Anyways, <laughs> we don't have to go to all this. All right. So let's uh, yeah. go back to normal 40K stuff. All right. We'll talk about some ITT. Uh, to, to everybody listening, thank you for joining us Jesus. on that uh, trip down memory lane. Yeah. It was a little meandering. We went off into the <laughs> weeds a couple of times, but uh, uh, we hope you enjoyed that yeah. kind of remembrance of what, what the company's been through and what Jason's been through. And, yeah. and hopefully it was a, a fun send off. Right. For and him. I mean, like I, like I said, like I, was, I still plan, like I'll be for a couple months out in Vegas, helping you guys get all established and get everything going. And um, I'll still be at all the events. A lot of people are asking about SoCal Open. That stuff will continue. Oh yeah. The, we, yeah. I mean, we still run the Bay Area Open. The, we don't the BAO, nothing is gonna change. The BAO is still uh, gonna be exactly what it is. Yep. The SoCal Open is gonna be every year. Bigger. Yeah, it keeps growing. Yeah. Uh, we're, that's not changing and actually, um, not haven't signed on the dotted line yet, but we're actually, we've been talking about for a very long time and we're pretty close to actually making it happening. We're going to run another event, a team event, like similar to the ATC with five person teams. That's something we've wanted to do for years um, in negotiations right now uh, to, to make that happen. And uh, as that develops, we'll, we'll bring more information mm -hmm. uh, for you all. Cause I think that would be a ton of fun. Yeah. And I'll be, right. and I'll be at all those events. So yeah, you can come and play. I know it'll be like fun again. Yeah. <laughs> like, so yeah, don't worry. I mean, guy, like I don't, this isn't going to be like, this isn't like a, Hey, Jason's riding off in the sunset. You'll never see him again. It's just, you know, it's change. A change. 
Yeah. All right, upcoming 40K ITC events this weekend. Holy shamoly, there's a lot. As usual. As usual. So we've got three GTs and a major. The first, the Maple City Grand Tournament mm. in uh, Michigan, Adrian, Michigan. Sounds delicious. We have a major, the Amiable Bright Penitent Rising. That's a mouthful. Must be a Canadian thing. Yeah, it's a, it's in uh, in BC in Canada. Uh, we have a GT, the Croziest GT at Mace Gaming Con in Charlotte, North Carolina, and the Scottish Takeover Six GT in the Seaforth Club in LA, Murray, Scotland. Elgin. I nailed that one. Yep. Um, Fun times. The the ITC continues to grow and spread across the land. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bunch of events. There's a there's now another uh, store in in Thailand. Um, wow. Putting on events, and we just we just got a new one. What country was it? Oh, Finland. We are, to my knowledge the first ITC event in Finland. Very cool. Is coming up, which is very exciting. Uh, yeah, it's it's really it's crazy how global it is and one of the most exciting things that we always talk about in the office is as it starts to spread into other like you know countries uh uh, languages like there's an itc event in mexico coming up that looks amazing um uh, uruguay venezuela it's it's just my mind has been open to how big the 40k community actually is it's Mm -hmm. it's so much bigger than i ever thought it was yeah um, really, really cool. And it's neat that we're all kind of like working together and talking now. Uh, also coming up in the rest of the month for Age of Sigma, we've got quite a few events all around the country. Check it out. Get out, participate, get your points, have fun, support your local scene. Let's take a look at the rankings. 40K ITC current top five competitive track. Mr. Jim Vassal, who was on, he was just on a video battle report, which was really good. Mm-hmm. Those guys are doing amazing work. It's the 40K in 30 minutes, I think it's called. Uh, yes. The play on guys. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're around here. They've come in the shop before. They're super cool. Mm-hmm. But man, they're, they're doing some high quality stuff. Definitely recommend it. And Jim was on one recently. Really, yeah. really good. Wearing his hat, doing his thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's crazy because uh, they got some of the terrain. You know, when we purge old terrain. I was watching one of their bat reps and it was like, Hey, I painted that terrain. <laughs> it's in their video battle report. That's always a trip when you see that, but it's cool to see the terrain continuing to have life and, and provide fun for people. Uh, the Tau, the drone controller himself, Richard Siegler in second place, Nick Nanavati, AKA Brown magic in mm-hmm. third, John Lennon. Uh, I think his nickname is I understand. Everybody likes to, to say that about him because he says that very frequently. He is in fourth, and then Manny Chima, the the pride of the UK, mm-hmm. in fifth place. Yeah. Uh, ITC Hobby Track, current top five. Can you scroll up, buddy? Did I miss that? You did. Well. You're, you're finishing strong. I like okay. it. All there right. Go. There we go. Current top five. We've got Jim Vessel continues to lead the pack with a significant margin there as well. Paul Winters in second. Dominique Corette in third tj lanigan in fourth and lou rollins in fifth uh age of sigmar current competitive track top five the french overlord continues to lead jeremy vessier followed by alex gonzalez in second anthony lawrence in third matt pashby the jersey kid falling down into fourth and chris bergman in fifth age of sigmar hobby track current top five Rich Waters uh, hangs on to his first place with only two events, which is very impressive. Mm. Jeremy Vessier is in second. Matt Beasley in third. And Alex Gonzalez in fourth. Finally, Matthias Crucial in fifth. 
Shadespire, top five. Ivan Cho, still the front runner, but we have Matthew Mar Martin has moved up into second place. That's a new name on the rankings. Tony Field jumps, drops down into third. Daniel Velasquez in fourth. Philip Santa Maria in fifth. Kill Team, top five. Uh, and the SoCal Open was a big event. Uh, <clears throat> check out the uh, Sheldon, the TO, put up a report on mm -hmm. Frontline Gaming if you want to check it out. Uh, and Michael T. Holy back in first place. Yep. The one and only. Never, it was just, never, never, it was never a, um, a, doubt. a doubt that he was going to yeah. be rising back to the top. Alex Torver in second was just holding on. To, he's keeping his seat warm up yeah. there at the, at, the, at the top. And uh, uh, Michael T. Holy won day one at SoCal Open, and I think he got second day two at SoCal so nice. He was really nice. He came up, yeah. and he, he takes it well, the, the jokes. Um, he was nice in his little suit, came up and shook my hand. Yeah, he's an yeah. extremely nice guy. Janice Gilhelm, who also came up to me at SoCal and was like, uh, my name's not Giannis, and I was like, I am Janice. so sorry. Yeah, uh, she she laughed about it though. She said it was she took it in good spirits, so I appreciate that. Uh, George Rollins in fourth and Matt Hole in fifth. Nice. All right, uh, taking a look at the the current uh, event results. Of course, always go over to 40kstats.com. The Falcon, who is in the chat right now, is the proprietor of that mm. site. Puts a lot of work into it. Uh, Yak Hunter is is who we're referring to. Yeah. So the, the reign of Space Marine domination continues this weekend was especially, I don't know, spicy, however you want to describe it. Um, of the three GT plus level events that we have data on, of the top 12 placing, Space Marines took eight of the top 12. Okay. And they won all three events truly hilariously. Very good. At uh, Blood and Glory, Space Marines went one, two, three, four. Okay. <laughs> Uh, looking at the data a little deeper, uh, most of them were Iron Hands. Iron Hands are still continuing to win. The interesting thing about that is that they're mostly very different from each other. So there's a lot of different ways to kick someone's butt with Iron Hands. Mm -hmm. I saw a couple Air Forces. Uh, the Storm Talent, Storm uh, Hawk, the list that I had predicted would be a, a real... Um, Powerhouse, mm -hmm. turning out to be. Uh, Manny Chima won the Blood and Glory with uh, Imperial Fists. It was an interesting list. It was like an artillery spam list. He had three Thunder Fire Cannons, three Whirlwinds, mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of indirect firepower. Uh, and there was another Imperial Fist list that uh, did well. And it was like a just an intercessor spam mostly list, just tons of guys with bolters, mm -hmm. which we had kind of expected to see that. Uh, no sign of Salamanders yet, which is interesting, but it's still very early. Um, that, like I said, that, that is still a big question mark because they hit dumb hard. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how that settles um, down. And then for the most part, uh, with Iron Hands, they were pure Iron Hands or Iron Hand successors. There's a little bit of Raven Guard sprinkled in there. There was also one pure Raven Guard army. So uh, Iron Hands still kicking butt, not nearly as crazy as they were post-nerf, but they're still arguably the best army in the game. Yeah. And Space Marines still... Yeah. Crushing. It's going to be a little time. Yeah. It's going to be a little time, guys. So build your list to kill Marines, period. Yeah. Or, or switch your list to Marines. <laughs> I mean, come on, let's be realistic. <laughs> hey. uh, of yeah. the non-Marine top 12, and again, this is not comprehensive. This is just looking at the data we have over at 40K Stats. Um, we had an Eldar, a really interesting Eldar army. Um, and then we had a Forces of the Hive Mind, which has Gene Sealer, Cold Tyranids, Admech, and Cadian Guard. It was like a uh, infantry horde nice. army. Nice, yep. Um, the Elder Army, it was Daniel Bradley's uh, list was really interesting to me. I thought it would look very cool. He had a bunch of uh, infantry, a lot of Dire Avengers, a big unit of Striking Scorpions, 
and only two flyers. That's not the normal Eldar list, so that's very cool. Um, also, uh, yep, that was it. Uh, yep. So if you wanted to, to learn more about ways to defeat Marines, because you need to be you need to be thinking about that. Yep. Uh, they represent roughly 25% of the field right now. Um, you know, that means one in four players at an event is playing Marines. Yeah. So if you want to get some tips and tricks for how to defeat them, you want to listen to the latest episode of Chapter Tactics, Pablo, Brandon Grant, and the crew go into uh, detail on what it takes to take them down. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you know, whenever Brandon's talking about this, you know it's going to be good info. Uh, and then check out the latest episode of... Uh, of uh, 40k stat center where they go over some more of the results and uh, really dig down deep into uh what's going on in the competitive scene that was just a little taste of it nice all right jason one last time baby take us out talk Uh, about this commission yeah it's a it's a painted commission nailed it there are uh some guys with some guns. You, you are killing <laughs> uh, it. I don't... Okay, so this is... Uh, I think it's... Star Wars Legion. It might be Imperial Assault. Is it? I don't know. The, the two have two different scales. So um, it's it's one of the Star Wars games. It's, I think it's Imperial Assault. I might I be wrong. I don't know. But anyways, this was part of a much larger commission of a lot of Imperial models. So we do... We actually do quite a few... We do. Um, Star Wars-based uh, miniature game commissions. So if, if that is something you're interested in, if you're a fan, if you want to have a nicely painted army... Uh, like especially if you want to go to LVO and get him painted because there's going to be a humongous uh, Star Wars event as far yeah. as I as I know. Pablo's been really on uh, working hard on that one. Um, come through with us. We have really affordable pricing. I believe this is just tabletop standard. So, um, you know, it's clean base coats with some minimal highlights, some details painted. Um, the Yeah, it looks fantastic. And like yes. I said, this was part of a much larger commission. Um, and uh, the, the rest of it's probably up on the site. So, yeah, I've been putting check up it out. in there. Uh, and speaking of painting, uh, we'll jump over to the chat so we can answer some questions. But speaking of painting, uh, if you're coming to the LVO, we are tightening up our appearance uh, standards. Whoa, some of the yeah. some of the armies at SoCal Open were, I was gonna were say dreadful. Something. I was going to say something. Dreadful. Like, and it was there was a, there was mostly gorgeous armies. Yeah. But there was a couple of the very competitive Space Marine players that yeah. just brought like the most hideous armies. And so one of the things though that people have been asking is um, and talking about is if you are running a multiple successor army, so meaning you have three different different types of successors playing, like let's say you're doing a Raven Guard successor, an Iron Hand successor, basically like that, they need to be distinct. Yeah. Like you can't bring... Each, each detachment, yeah. each faction needs to be distinct. So if you have right. an army that has Space Marines and Blood Angels, yeah. whatever... The blood, all the blood angels need to be the same color. Doesn't have to be red, but they all yeah. have to be the same color. All the space marines have to be the same color. If you're running iron hands and raven guard, all the iron hands need to be the same color. Mm-hmm. All the raven guard need to be the same color. There was a loophole in the way we worded it where we didn't say that what I just said. It was just that the detachments need to be visually distinct. Mm-hmm. So people were bringing space marine armies where they were all, let's just say raven guard. Mm-hmm. And, but it was like, Clearly, they had borrowed like all their models from their friends. Yeah. So like some of them were red, some yeah. of them were blue, some of them were black. It They're was all, bad. It was hideous. It was bad. And even though technically that was legal within the way we wrote the appearance rules, is obviously not the intent. Uh, so if you're coming to the LVO, um, which by the way, um, after processing refunds, uh, there was some 40k champs tickets that were available. Yeah. 
the, the deadline to get a refund was during the SoCal Open. So if you want a ticket, there are a few left. Right. I highly recommend jumping in there and getting, getting them to be a part of the biggest event in the world. Um, and if you're still waiting for your refund, um, they're all in line to get processed, but with us moving and everything, it's yeah. a little hectic, so just bear with us. Uh, but yeah, every year, whenever we get done processing, the, going through the refunds, we put up the extra tickets up for sale, and that's where we're at. Uh, but if you're coming uh, and you 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 know you want to bring Space Marines or Guard or whatever, or wh any army, really, every detachment is going to be required to be visually coherent. Mm -hmm. All right? I know that's not... There's, there's gray area in there. It's not a cut and dry statement. But basically, your opponent needs to be able to look at one of your detachments and know that it's a detachment, yeah. right? So if you're playing guard with knights, uh, the guard can't be, you know, a hodgepodge mix of just random crap. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're playing space marines um, and you've got a detachment of ultramarines and a detachment of white scars, everything in the ultramarines detachment needs to look visually coherent. And painted the same. Well, there's exceptions to that. Like a librarian doesn't have to be painted the same. He can be painted blue. Right. A tech marine can be painted red. But you know, you know what I mean? You know like what I mean? Don't, don't borrow like three different variations of yes. colors for one detachment. And then your next detachment, you're borrowing models from right. multiple sources. Because that's what we were seeing at the SoCal Open. And it's so... Because you'd have these Space Marines lists oh, where people yeah. had like three different detachments for three different separate codexes. And within each one of those detachments, they had multiple colors of models. And then they would put maybe just like rubber bands it was terrible. on the models. It was awful. It was so hideous. Don't do that. So yeah, like things like that, like putting rubber bands on the models to distinguish the detachments isn't going to cut it anymore. Have um, You know, just paint the rim of the base, right? Or, or put... a Paint like a, a dot or two dots, whatever, to separate the different detail. Put a number on there. Yeah. Um, the, the, we're, we're raising the bar. Yeah. Don't be Pablo's rainbow army. <laughs> the blue rainbow? Yeah. The thing is, that would be that would actually be acceptable because they're all blue. They're yeah. somewhat different shades of blue. That, you know what? Whatever. That is the prerequisite for his armies. There's blue somewhere on that model. <laughs> he has the full spectrum of blue yeah, represented in his army. Um yeah, and like phase that have said, like, what about Eldar Aspect Warriors? And that's why we're using the phrase visually coherent, right? Because not all armies are painted the same colors, yeah. right? But it needs it, it, it needs to make sense. And we all, it's like trying to define pornography, right? The, the, you, the famous the your, judges. Your opponent needs to be able to look at the board and understand what's happening. Yes. So if you have, let's say you're doing, you know, your detachment of Ultramarines and you have... Some models are, you know, white, some models are blue, and some are black, but they're all in the same detachment. That's not going to cut it. Right. Because that was, just doesn't make sense. You're like, well, what are those? Oh, the, the black models guys it are looks all hideous. Rings, but the green ones yeah. are white scars? What does that mean? Like, it just doesn't make sense. A big part of coming to a tournament is to see the beautiful armies yeah. and to have the spectacle of it, right? And it's this constant fight against attrition. Um, and like I was saying, like the famous the Supreme Court judge who said, He's trying to define pornography. He's like, I can't define it, but I know it is when I see it. Hmm. It's the same thing here, right? Like, yeah. you you need to look at the army, and it needs to be visually a coherent force. Right. Uh, not grilled pickle in the <laughs> chat, which is a really funny name. Uh, he says, what if my models are all painted the same, but your bases are edged a specific color? Yeah, totally fine. So let's say you well, okay. So this, let's no. just say let's say I'm gonna agree that that's technically fine. It's fine, but it's not. It's great fine. for your opponent. If your army is painted, let's just say your whole army is painted black space marines. Yeah. Or, or red catachans like yes. mine, right? But you want to take a detachment of, of Raven Guard and you want a detachment of Ultramarines. Mm -hmm. If you paint the base, the rim of the base on all the guys that are Ultramarines, blue or whatever, 
and then all the guys that are Raven Guard are all painted white or green or whatever, that's okay because your opponent can look at it and very easily distinguish whom is whom mm-hmm. or who is whom. Uh, that's fine. But when in doubt, send in pictures, right? Send pictures, contact at frontlinegaming.org. If you are at all worried about it, and I'll tell you whether or not it's cool, yeah. or if it's going to work, um, because we will pull models off the table. We've done it many times. Um, you know, bring in the hobby back, as, yeah. our, as our buddy said. Squad marks. Squad marks. Fantastic small squad business. Squad marks totally works. A fantastic small business that makes, um, they're like these little clip-in plastic pieces for your bases that are color-based. And they're very affordable. Yeah, you just clip them on. You just they slide them on the They're not a sponsor of the show at all. I just think they're really cool. No, that's a great product. So squad marks. Yep. Check them out. You can just go spray paint those, the color corresponding to the detachment. Put well, it they on. Come, they come in the color. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they do. They do come color. Yeah, it's just it's a color piece of plastic that goes, yep. you just slot your models into them. It's amazing. At any rate, so that's gone on plenty long, ran a little long on this show, but you know what? That's, that's okay. okay. This is the most important show you're ever going to make. It's the one where the banana splits. Um, <laughs> if anybody has any questions in chat, we'll answer some before we wrap it up here. But we are definitely over time. We're over time, but we that's get some, you know some what stuff though? done. Time schmime. It's true. It doesn't have to be an hour-long show. You know what I'm saying? All right. Doesn't look like we have uh, any questions in the chat. Not a big deal. Everyone's just kind of talking to themselves. So like normal. Thank you so much for joining us for this very historic episode number 661. Very special. A signal from the front line where we say goodbye to the banana. And then next week, who knows? It's a mystery. Somebody. Who knows? Maybe uh, Mariana will be on it. She'll talk about um, her thoughts on the Tyranids. <sighs> yeah. So anyways. Yep. You'll have Mariana on just for... Uh, so, us- oh, a question. That's a good question. Though. Chance and luck. Uh, the San Diego location will be open through December. Through December, so yeah, you can yeah. still come by. There's still the secondhand shop stuff. There is uh, the product for sale, our discounted GW product. Um, but the uh, the manufacturing side of the business, the paint studio, that's all moving or has moved. It's already so that'll be gone. gone. So Frankie, myself, um, a few others will will be gone uh, starting basically Monday. Yeah, paying double rent by the way is really fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. And then you're getting a lot of fun. And if you guys are in Vegas for whatever reason, I believe I'll be there every week, uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays for a while. The store's not set up. Like the guys are like, that's going to be a, that's going to be our manufacturing location. And the paint studio is being set up there too, our in-house paint studio. So in the store, that's what I'll be doing. The store in Vegas will be open for business January 2nd. Okay. So if you want to come by and say hello, um, that is when we'll do the, you know, big announcement and all that stuff. One more leak. They asked for you. Want one more leak? The emperor, is not dead. Oh, heard it here first. Heard it here first, baby. Um, and thank you, everybody, for the fond farewells and their kind words. It's yeah. very much appreciated. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for hanging in there with us for this longer edition. <laughs> so many banana jokes you could uh, tie into that, mm. but we're not going to. Uh, this longer edition of Signals from the Frontline. Uh, we'll talk to you all next week. And until then, have a great weekend and happy gaming. Adios.